It is Monday, December 12th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to our week 14 recap episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaub. Back with me is Adam Krautwurst after a week away from it all. Adam, how are the Florida Keys? Oh, I mean, I don't know why I don't live there. I don't know why everyone doesn't live in the Florida Keys. I mean, so underrated. Um, you know, outside of like hurricanes and like reptiles, <laughs> I think, and that you can't sports bet down there. I learned that the hard way. I get down there, I'm ready to place I'm by the pool, ready to place my World Cup bets. And I forgot we were down there last year. This, I was this year, say, you should have learned that during the playoffs last right. year. We were down there this, you know, 11 months ago for the Draft Sharks get together. And uh, so I had to, you know, I had to go through my through my buddy. So uh, that was a pain in the butt. But other than that, it was sensational. <laughs> nice. And I know you took your wife, so it's a good time to start winning back some points with That's our right. Ravs after a, a long football season. I say after, but I mean, we're still going. We're still got a few more weeks to grind here. We're getting into fantasy football playoffs. So it's like, it's the time that you really magnify those lineup decisions that, you know, can either make or break a season. And we're going to talk about some of the things that you know, are foreseeable that maybe we can sharpen, but also some of the things that are just beyond decisions. And at some point you have to be like, I did the best I could, even if it didn't work out. Uh, that's what happens. Let's start with the Bills Jets game. Let me just say, thank goodness that Josh Allen is done playing the Jets, at least in the regular season this year, because le- yesterday we got 147 passing yards. We got one touchdown. We got three sacks did run for 47 yards and a touchdown. So he did reach 20 fantasy points, depending on your format, not a terrible outing, but not a great passing day. No bills. Pass catcher had more than 41 yards in this game. I'm glad we get no more jets for these bills players. Yeah. And you know, the Jets have a really good defense. The weather is also nasty and that's a lot to do with this time of year with all offenses. That's why we've been, We've been, you know, I know you and I and, and me and Mike have been on the, and you and Jared on your podcast have just been talking about, hey, check that strength of schedule um, going forward. Because a lot of, you know, when it comes to even kickers, like, hey, are they going to play in a dome? Are they going to play outside? Like these, this weather really affects the passing games, the kicking games, offenses in general. So the weather was nasty. The Bills have a, a couple more home games here where the weather will probably will, will not be good next week against, against Miami, hoping for a shootout there. But yeah, it just, the passing wasn't clicking early on um, the wind a, a little bit. And also the Jets have a really t- tough defense. So Allen, you know, Allen got there in the box score. I think he finished uh, QB seven so far with that rushing score. I mean, he's their whole offense, man. He's, he's, he let him in rushing, let him in rushing scores, you know, obviously passing. It's just tough. Six, six drops, six penalties on the offensive line. It's just, I know that the analytics say that, you know, their yards per play is the same as it was last year and the year before and all that. And their DVOA is as good as it was last year. It just seems like it's been so difficult uh, to get anything going um, for any of these skill guys. I mean, when, when it's hot, it's hot, but a lot of times it's just, it's just not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You don't want to overrate the weather and we'll see exactly what the forecast is heading into that Miami game. Fortunately, the Miami matchup is a lot better. So, I mean, obviously we're using Josh Allen. We'll see about the impact on the wide receivers and the answer. If you were wondering last week to, is it James Cook or is it Devin Singletary? The answer is neither one, unless we really need one because it's a bad backfield. I mean, it's a bad situation to be a running back. So if the bills don't even have like a clear number one, definitely a situation to try to avoid more than to chase. Yeah. Singletary and cook combined for 12 carries. I mean, what are you doing with that? And they're not getting the stuff around the goal line because the best running back in the goal line around in the league is, is Josh Allen. So 
it's it's just tough. It's it's hit 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 or miss. I mean, we're all talking about oh, it's James Cook week. It's James Cook week. It really again depends on the the game script and whether he's going to get the, the the receiving yards and stuff like that. So, like you said, you really want to avoid it. We're out of the bye weeks now, finally. So, if, I think if you have a healthy roster, um, you're probably not starting Cook or or Singletary. Yeah, and we'll certainly see exactly where those guys sit in our week 15 rankings, which will come out tomorrow. We'll talk about all the backfields on the Thursday podcast. I mean, even even last week when we had six teams on by, Cook and Singletary both sat outside our top 24. So you should not have been too excited about this duo. On the other side, we had a backfield split with Michael Carter back from his ankle sprain. Zonovan Knight easily led the Jets in rushing 17 carries, 71 yards, a touchdown, pretty good touchdown run. Five carries for Michael Carter. Like I said, even split in playing time. It was basically Zonovan Knight running, Michael Carter receiving. It wasn't quite that clean. Carter was the receiving leader. Knight was the rushing leader. They both also did some of the other thing. Carter didn't get a whole lot. Six targets, three catches, 15 yards. We knew it wasn't a great spot for him, so he he should not have been high in anybody's rankings. Knight, nice to see him get that number of carries, and it's possible that he'll find his way into some lineups going forward. Yeah, I mean, to see that number of carries, 17 against in a game where they lost, you know, by by eight, and they were, you know, the safety kept uh, kept that spread alive, which is in- incredible. But um, but yeah, I mean, to see him get there, and he looks good too. Like he's looked, he's looked like he belongs in the NFL since the you know since the first carry that we saw him take two weeks ago. So and again, Michael Carter is not some guy that's really going to keep him off the field, which is which is one of your big arguments, um, you know, for Brees Hall in the offseason is Michael Carter is not keep keeping a really good running back off off the field. So um, yeah, Knight get, gets there with the touchdown, look good. You know, the Bills are statistically uh, at least going into the, the week uh, the worst tackling team in, in the league so which really looked like it on that touchdown run but uh but yeah no he he looked he looked good someone certainly that could be startable move, move moving forward um i'll check out the strength of schedule now i'm sure you got detroit know. coming up next which yeah. has it still looks like a great matchup overall it's been a less good matchup but i think the bigger question for zonovan knight there will be if the jets can keep it close against a lions team that's suddenly pretty good I know that's so that's so cool, cool cool to see too with all the with all those weapons and we'll get to them but uh but yeah they get they get Detroit Jacksonville Seattle none of those I don't think they're getting blown out in any of those games I mean their defense is good enough to hang with anybody so yeah uh and none of those are negative really negative matchups either Seattle's a smash spot in your championship week Mike White by the way would disagree with the Bills being the worst tackling team in the league <laughs> He took a couple hits. He took a couple hits. It was rough watching him yesterday. Came back into that game twice. Ended up going to the hospital afterward. I think that's a pretty clear indication he should not have returned to the game. Right. But he will be starting next week, assuming that he is healthy enough to play. I'm not going to be starting Mike White in my fantasy playoffs against Detroit. You know, maybe if I'm in like a two quarterback league, we'll see. And again, we'll see exactly where he lands in um, the rankings for week 15. Elijah Moore was the other big story from the Jets side. Came out of nowhere. It helped that Corey Davis left very early with a concussion. But in the wake of Corey Davis's departure, Elijah Moore led the team in targets by himself for the first time all season. Ten targets, had a usable fantasy line. He's somebody who could be a waiver target this week and could possibly, I don't want to overstate it, he could possibly be in play for some PPR leagues that play three wide receivers and a flex next week. Yeah, exactly. And again, all the injuries that are coming out. And look at the receivers that, you know, that like popped this week. I mean, we've got so many different, like, it's the receiver position is crazy. You can just 
start these, you know, they got Marquise Goodwin and Zay, I mean, Zay Jones has been doing it kind of, but Chris Moore, Richie James, Amari Rogers, Trenton Irwin, like, yeah, there's room, there's, there, there's room for really anybody, um, depending on the, on the matchup. If you start three receivers, some sites, I know we start three receivers plus two flex. So yeah, Elijah Moore could be it, um, for you if you need him with, with some injuries coming up here. Cause again, I think he's super, uh, super talented still. Um, just kind of been in the coach's doghouse all, all year. Um, and kind of going back back to Mike White, I mean, I, again, with all the injuries to, to the quarterbacks, we're talking about Brock Purdy and all these guys that were having a start here. I think with the schedule, I mean, he threw for uh, 268 yards against a pretty tough Bills defense in inclement weather, and they weren't like – checkdowns to running backs. They weren't, you know, Pat, it wasn't Patrick Mahomes yesterday where every, every check down to the running back went for 40 yards, you know? So he was, he was dealing back there. So I think, I think Mike White is rosterable for sure. And, um, you know, depending on the weather situation and who, who their matchup is against, I think he's got a pretty good, pretty good couple matchups coming up down the stretch. Yeah, I think if, for me, it'll be more interesting for the Jets pass catchers, but uh, you know, th- this offense has, Come to life might be strong, but it's more viable now than it was a couple weeks ago with Zach Wilson on behind center. Exactly. Bengals 23 Browns 10 and the Bengals are really trying pretty hard to make us hate T Higgins Ugh. because none of us had any reason to believe that he would not be playing at a normal level in this game. He did have a hamstring that limited him for a couple of practice days during the week, but carried no designation into the game. So there was no indication he would be limited found out during the game that he heard it in pregame warmups. And I know that the reaction from, you know, football people or NFL or whatever is nobody cares about your fantasy team. So shut up about it. But guess what? The reason that the NFL is making as much money as it is, and it's on TV all the time and has as many viewers is because people are playing fantasy and people are betting. It's not because of our uncles and their, um, (laughs) their season tickets. So, it doesn't really hurt the game or anything else to say, guys, if a guy gets hurt in pregame warmups, you need to report it because we have a lot of people out there that care about this stuff and are really driving our business. Like throw throw us a bone. I, nobody, I don't need somebody to personally care about my fantasy team, but it's the, that's the only reason that this stuff exists. It's entertainment. Stop the gamesmanship and just say, hey, guys, T. Higgins hurt his hamstring. He's going to be active, but we're probably not going to put him in unless we need him listen maybe maybe your uncle doesn't care about fantasy football but i got an uncle that cares <laughs> but no i totally get it and, and to me it's more like are there not reporters like sideline reporters like oh why is why is t higgins limping around out there why is he standing around trainers holding his hamstring not like i just feel like we never get like no one ever comes in and saves the day there's no reporter that's ever like last minute hey guys you know t higgins looks like he's not like we know Whenever we get a report like that, it's usually wrong. It's from Adam Schefter. It's Tony Jones is going to start. It's all this other stuff that 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 isn't that it isn't correct. I think that's where my thing lies, and it, it just happens to be, you know, it's always T Higgins. It's always Mike Williams. It's like the same people uh, that go in there and they just goose eggs when you need them the most. It's just so so brutal in the biggest weeks of the year. But it's just the name. It's kind of been the name of the game. But we need side, you know, reporters, team beat reporters to be to be better. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't know how, how I mean, we can make that happen. What, it, what, uh, what, how, the only way to do it is for the league to legislate. You have to give this pregame report. If somebody gets hurt in, you know, warmups, you have to announce it. Cause we have people that care about it. You know, the NFL is so 
so worried about finding guys for jumping into the Salvation Army kettle or finding them because their socks aren't high enough. Like this is the stuff that actually matters to people who are watching. And I know it, you know, it sounds whiny and bitchy from fantasy people, but they're like that. Seriously, that's why we're watching these games. And if you make a wrong lineup decision and you lose, fine. If you make a good lineup decision, it doesn't work out fine. But if you play somebody because you think he's playing and then he's not playing because of an injury that you had no way of knowing about, that's that's crappy, especially at this point in the season, especially when you're already taking six teams away from us with a ridiculous. <laughs> guy. And especially so, when he's already done it before. I mean, July. come on, NFL. You, we're we're I know that we're not the only ones supporting you, but fantasy is a big driver in supporting NFL right now. So uh, let's help us out a little bit. So beyond T Higgins, who barely played in this one, we got Tyler Boyd left early with a dislocated finger. It looks like he's probably going to miss at least one game might miss two games. So plan on not having him in week 15. That of course left plenty of targets for Jamar chase. I mean, you were starting him anyway, so it's just a matter of him getting maybe even more targets than we assumed. There wasn't a whole lot else there. Like Trenton Irwin caught a touchdown again because nobody else was left. Even he only saw two targets despite playing almost as much as Jamar Chase in this one. So I think, Adam, it'd be nice if we get Hayden Hurst back for week 15 and we'll see what the team reveals about T. Higgins heading into that game. Yeah, was it a flea flicker touchdown to Trent yeah. Irwin? Yeah, I feel like the pass blocking on flea flickers is flawless. Like every pass play should be a flea flicker. I've never seen a sack off of a flea flicker. These quarterbacks, like quarterbacks never have time to throw. They're running for their lives, but you run a flea flicker where he's got to stand there for nine seconds, completely exposed, wide open. Everything works great. But I know the uh, Panthers ran one yesterday where Sam Darnold ended up having to scramble and then throw the ball. Away. That, there you go. I, I missed that one. It wasn't on that. <laughs> it wasn't on the red zone, uh, but yeah, no. So yeah, I mean, Chase is just obviously going to get, going to get his. There's not, you know, I'm not starting any of these other receivers, Next week, if we don't have Boyd, if we don't have Higgins, I'm not in the fantasy playoffs, not happening. Um, but I just want to say Burrow, although his stat line wasn't incredible, you know, 18 of 33, 240, two tutty, he looks like super healthy. Like the way that he's running and moving and, you know, getting outside the pocket, not even that stuff, but like and he had the, the knee injury a couple of years ago. And just to see him scrambling and, and running downhill, sliding, like he just looks like he's buying, he's able to buy more time. He's able to get um some rushing yards and he just looks healthy this offense is clicking when they have everybody there this is an offense that i will probably be targeting quite a bit in these playoff challenges and stuff because they look like they're like like last year right they're peaking at at the right time here at the end and um and they could be a team that that, that surprises some people since week nine, no quarterback has a higher pro football focus grade than Joe Burrow. So things are certainly going well for him right now. They don't have a great schedule the rest of the way. Tampa at Tampa Bay at New England home for Buffalo. But Cleveland was a negative scoring matchup for quarterbacks yesterday. He did fine. Obviously, yeah. healthier wide receivers will help and we'll see about T Higgins this week. But yeah, Joe Burrow's a good guy to have at quarterback at the moment. Certainly makes plenty of sense for playoff challenges, which we're going to be getting into over these next few weeks. We'll see also about Hayden Hurst this week if he's back. We did get Joe Mixon back from his concussion for this game. Got 106 total yards. So you can't complain too much. But we also got Samaje Pirine being more of a pain to Joe Mixon's playing time than he was before the injury. Pirine, in particular, ran more pass routes, beat Joe Mixon 5-2 to two in targets, did vulture a rushing touchdown, but I think the receiving stuff is the biggest potential issue for Mixon's both floor and upside going forward. 
Yeah. And, you know, all we ask for really, too, in, in fantasy is co- competent coaching, right? And so we got a guy like P. Ryan. P. Ryan has looked fine when when given the opportunity, you know, without with um, mixing there, without mixing there. So, like, if, if they're going to give some 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 work to P. Ryan, I know that's frustrating to, to, to mix in owners, but at least it makes sense. Um, if you're obviously, if you're in the fantasy playoffs, you don't want to have to start a guy like P Ryan, but if you're stuck, I mean, you could do definitely worse. You know, he got, he got uh goal line work there scores, scores a touchdown. You know, he's involved in the, in the passing game, especially here. He had five targets. And if there's these injuries to these receivers, well, he's going to see, uh, you know, maybe even more moving forward. So I, I like mixing too. fine go, going forward, but P Ryan is a like kind of a desperation flex. Um, and, and might even be better than a guy like Jamal Williams goal going forward. Yeah, I could see that. Um, mix they all, they both get a negative scoring matchup for running backs next week, but it's, it's one of those kind of not really as negative as it looks like by the overall numbers, the bucks just gave up a big rushing day to Christian McCaffrey yesterday. They're allowing 4.55 yards per carry to running backs for the season. It's mostly that they've limited touchdowns to running backs. So Mixon's still going to be easily be inside of starter territory. Samaji P. Ryan will be somewhere in that RB3 range. We'll see exactly where they settle out. On the Cleveland side of this one, we got better Deshaun Watson than in the Houston debut. 26 of 42, so 62% passing. 6.6 yards per attempt. Could certainly still stand to get better there. But, you know, that's decent. One touchdown, one pick. Amari Cooper... Playing through the hip injury, maybe it impacted him. It didn't really impact his playing time too much. Saw seven targets, only caught two of them. So, you know, we'll see where we go from there. But big day for Donovan Peoples-Jones. Yeah, great great to see him get get loose. I mean, he's a guy we've been kind of talking about for, oh, forever. For, I feel like, six to eight weeks about like, hey, yep, he's looking pretty good. And when Deshaun Watson comes back, he could be a, a wide receiver three. And here, here you go, eight for 114, 12 targets, like, Good for him. Didn't didn't get in the end zone, which kind of didn't give him that like wide receiver one day. But uh, but yeah, I mean this offense with Watson uh, was better. Watson was better. All the analytics pointed to him him being better, which 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 makes sense. I mean last week he had hit and played a year and a half. He was bouncing passes, and uh, we know he's he's better than that. So um, if we can just get um, a little bit, keep that rushing upside thirty three yards, fine. You know he has rushing upside beyond that also. Um, so, so yeah, we'll, we'll see, we'll see moving forward. You're starting, probably starting Watson, um, if you need to, and Donovan Peoples Jones wide, wide receiver three in Joku and Cooper also startable and Joku, man, when he's, I don't know what his points per game are, but man, when he's played this year, he's, he's been awesome. Um, going to be a target in next year's drafts, probably in the middle of the late rounds where he'll do absolutely nothing like every other tight end does. <laughs> A deep DPJ almost added a long touchdown yesterday too on the fourth and one throw for Jacoby Brissett when he came on the field for one snap overthrew him a little bit so it didn't really lead to anything but yeah David Njoku seven for 59 and touchdown on nine targets a starter whenever he's out there the run game stunk yeah. and they have a tough matchup for everybody against Baltimore next week so I mean as rough as it might seem Nick Chubb is definitely not a must start for fantasy playoffs in week 15. Yeah, uh, we'll see. I mean, if you, if Chubb, Chubb got you there, plus it's hard too to like with all the running back injuries, what do we got? We got Jacobs, we got Kenneth Walker. We've got now Damian Pierce. Like there's not that many running backs left to start. So I, I get the, not the must start based on the matchup, but you might not have, you might not have a choice. Oh yeah. I mean, certainly if you don't have a choice, then I'm not saying to start Samaj P Ryan over him, but I would bet that he, <laughs> Come on, hot takes. let's get some hot takes. 
I'd bet that he settles closer to RB20 than he does to RB10. That would be my guess in our week 15 rankings. I, I like it. Anything else from this game? Nope. Cowboys 27, Texans 23. What a, what a ridiculous game. This is clearly just a matter of the Cowboys underrating this game and then not realizing that they had to play until sometime in the second half. Even then, like when they hit halftime, I thought for sure that it was going to be not to the level of last week against the Colts, but like they were just going to take over and end up winning pretty easily. It took it right down to the end and Ezekiel Elliott touchdown inside the final minute to finally pull it out. It was a third straight game of less than 20 fantasy points for Dak Prescott. And I think that's more worrisome than the Cowboys, um, you know, performance overall. Cause obviously I don't care if the Cowboys succeed as long as they're putting up fantasy points, but Dak Prescott, Three straight games under 20 points against the Giants, Colts, and Texans. So three matchups that shouldn't be negative for him. Again, he wasn't a killer. He was around 18 to 19 and a half fantasy points. So that's, you know, it's not the kind of week that's crushing you, but it's also not the kind of week that's winning for you at this point. And it followed three straight games of 23 fantasy points. So it's at that level where you're like, ah, I thought I was going to be able to trust Dak Prescott here. Positive matchup against Jacksonville next week. So you know, it's it's going to be one of those tough decisions, I think, for Week 15. Yeah, it's it's, it's going to be tough. I just feel like they're they're lacking like an explosive threat d- down the field. They're not able to really let it loose. I mean, Lamb five five catches for 33 yards. I mean, that he's not really a deep threat, anyways. But they just, I feel like there's there's been a lack of deep passing game in this offense. I I do like that they're super balanced. Like they look good um when they're when, when they're balanced they're one of the better offenses as far as that's concerned you know the running game the passing game i feel like a lot of the offenses this year that have been successful fantasy wise you know nfl wise are the teams that can beat you in the run game and the pass game i think that they have that i think that kind of hurts De- but it hurts Dex upside is they can they can turn around and hand the ball off 25 times to pollard and zeke and have uh, a really good game uh, but yeah, they barely won this game. The Texans pass defense has just been oddly really good this year. They don't allow anything to number one receivers. I think Pittman was the only guy that's been a number uh, top 12 receiver. And that was back week, week one. So, um, so yeah, you're not really targeting their passing game. Um, so it might just be a blip for Prescott who still threw for 284, but yeah, it definitely looked way more difficult than it had to be. Yeah, that's the silver lining, I guess, is that even in a three game down stretch, he hasn't been terrible. So it's not he's not Russell Wilson. Uh, so you can at least still use him if he is your top option. Like I said, positive matchup with Jacksonville next week. So it's not a week where I would be panicking and going to look for a DAC replacement. Um, but we'll you know, if you do have DAC right now and there are viable options on waivers, I would consider looking ahead to week 16 because then he's got Philly. And if we don't get a serious turnaround from Dak this week, I would have a hard time playing Dak Prescott against the Eagles in week 16. Yeah, the Eagles, uh, you know, points given to up to the quarterback are dead last, right, against against quarterbacks. So, you, you know, you're thinking, oh, shootout. Not necessarily. So, yeah, that's interesting, um, especially when you got – again, when you can lean on such a good running game with Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott, it's hard to just let him go when you, you don't have to. Yeah, and they were both good again. You should be starting both of those guys in most cases the rest of the way. Solid finish for them, Jacksonville, Philly. Uh, Tennessee is a bad matchup in Week 17 for the run game, but, I mean, the way Dallas is going right now, I don't think we're going to get a game where we have 45 pass attempts and 15 runs, so I wouldn't worry even too much about that matchup right now. Damian Pierce on the other side of this one. Had a bit of a rebound game for him. 22 carries, 78 yards, one touchdown. No targets, though. So it's like 
if you started Damian Pierce, you had to be happy that you played him. If you did sit him, there is definitely a chance that you regret it at this point. It still wasn't an awesome game. Like this is what he should be doing. And the fact that he got no pass targets is very worrisome, especially because he was out there for routes. They just didn't target him on them. Also left this game in the fourth quarter with an ankle injury. So we're going to have to see where that one is. Uh, but at this point, you can't plan on having him and we'll see what his status is for next week's game against the Chiefs. Yeah. And, you know, you, you definitely, for sure, you were happy because, you know, he scored, he got, he got you there in that department too. And plus it could have been a game that could have gotten out of hand and then he wouldn't have been involved at all, but he was able to get to 22 carries. If he's healthy for next week, um, that this is kind of the thing that you, same thing you're, you're hoping for against the Chiefs is, hey, let's keep it close where we can pound. D- Damian Pierce. Um, but yeah, like he, like you said, he left the game with an ankle injury. He had, and again, they haven't, they just haven't, he hasn't, he's been fine. The O line stinks when it comes to, to, to the run game 22 for 78. It's just one of those games where it's one of those situations where he's just crashing into the line. There's no hole there. Everything that's get that he gets is based on his, his talent. So again, not someone you're excited about, but, um, and not someone you're really excited about to start against the Chiefs because the Chiefs could get out against them and blow them. We'll blow the doors off them. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully he's healthy. Cause I know I got him on a couple of, uh, a couple of main event teams and a couple of teams on the stretch here where I need, uh, I just need to get a healthy running back in there. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see where he's at this week. Certainly not going to be a good situation against the chiefs. I, th- I think we'll get something short of the 17 and a half point line that the Cowboys got this week. Cause it is at Houston, but I would bet on Kansas city handling the Texans a bit better than Dallas did this week. Chris Moore, 10 catches for 124 on 11 targets. I would not say go out and get Chris Moore, but I will say that if Brandon cooks and Nico Collins are out again next week, Chris Moore could sneak into wide receiver three territory. It's not, it's not the first time that he's shown up for us. It it certainly doesn't make him a lock, but you know, he will at least be worth considering in what we do expect to be a game where Houston falls behind. Yeah. Why can't we haven't gotten a game like that from Brandon cooks all stinking season. And then him and um, he's out and, and they get one out of, out of Chris Moore. Fine. He again, rosterable, certainly, um, you know, Mills and Mills and Driscoll. So we're on the street is Jeff Driscoll is, is a tight end eligible player on Yahoo. So if he, if he, if he's going to get these, if he's going to get six passing attempts in a game, if he's going to get the starting quarterback position, uh, go pick him up on waivers and start him at tight end for sure. But, uh, but, uh, but yeah, so this, I mean, this offense is tough, is, is tough to trust moving forward. Uh, more might not have another 10 catches the rest of the year. <laughs> Lions 34 Vikings, 23 lions coming through on the line that surprised people at home against Minnesota. Jared Goff, second straight game over 300 yards, fifth straight game without an interception. So he delivered, he's playing well right now. He also gets the jets next week. So I would not bet on Jared Goff landing inside our top 12 at QB for that one. Which stinks. Cause he's been, he's been so good uh, down the stretch for us and you know it's the weapons are all getting healthy there you know we've all kind of been sleeping on golf again all those best ball teams you know drafting earlier and being able to get a guy like jared golf that's paying off now 330 yards three touchdowns no picks looks good has guys you know it's always a good sign when you have receivers wide open all over the field jameson williams scores wide open touchdown you know the weapons chark uh, Amon Ra, Reynolds, Williams, you know, Swift in the passing game. It's it's just they have a lot of options. It's not it's it's really nice to see Detroit get going here. I got a dome a dome team, right? So we don't have too much to worry about with the weather getting down the stretch. 
Um, and so, yeah, it, it stinks that you might not be able to start him this week, but you know, he's been really great for you uh, the last couple of weeks and looks good, has control of the offense. Again, having an elite offensive line that the Lions have really helps, gives him time to throw and everything looks, looks like it's like it's clicking. Not so great for Amon Ra with all those weapons there. And I'm sure we'll talk about Swift too, but the more, the healthier, the weapons, uh, the tougher it's going to be. You know, he only saw nine, nine targets, which did lead the team, but seven for Chark, six for Reynolds, you know, stuff like that. And Jamison Williams is ramping up and ramping up. So, so we'll see how they, how they divvy these, uh, these passes up down the stretch. Yeah. DJ Chark's the guy that I would be picking up this week. I have probably a little bit more than I was last week. Jamison Williams is nice to have out there and he certainly helps the offense and Jared Goff's upside. I'll be surprised if he gets to a level where we can actually start him though, which is what I've been saying. So I would leave him on waivers. Consider DJ Chark second straight game over 90 yards. He's scored touchdowns in two of the past three. And, you know, we're talking about Jared Goff playing better lately. It's nice when you can look at a situation and not be like, I don't know what changed to make this happen. I mean, they got Jamison Williams back. They got DJ Chark back healthy. They got DeAndre Swift back healthy. So it, you can look at it and be like, yeah, you got a bunch of healthy players back who can play football. So it's a better situation for him to be in right now. That's why things are, are going better. Nice that he is also supporting that. And, you know, if you are if you are in super flex or two quarterback, Jared Goff is certainly going to be viable in that kind of setting against the Jets this week. Just not a one quarterback option. In that backfield, he talked about DeAndre Swift got just six carries, four targets, a disappointing game, but it was really just a bad game for the backfield. And it looked like from the way it was deployed that Detroit just kind of decided they weren't going to lean on the running backs for this one. Um, four carries for Justin Jackson got annoying as well. He got the team's lone rushing touchdown, but it was from 15 yards out. So it's not like he stole, you know, a goal line TD. Spread it around a little bit more than you'd like, but we still got a split between DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. So it wasn't a matter of DeAndre Swift falling back to his previous game's workload. I think it was a bit more bad luck for him than uh, than any real change. Well, it's kind of just been his luck too. I mean, listen, there's no there's no predictive analytic out there that's going to be able to tell us what to do with the Lions' backfield. They just one week it's Swift with with a ton of carries and all the you know the passing down work, and the next week it's absolutely nothing. You know, I mean, he's had multiple weeks like this the last six weeks. It's just he snuck in for for a touchdown every week and saved the day. Well, he wasn't able to do it yesterday, and there's nothing we can say going forward. Like we don't know what they're going to do from week to week, what they're going to do with their running game, their passing game. So you just kind of have to decide, Hey, is he the best option that I have? Can I deal with a five point floor? Cause it's, it's certain, it's certainly there, you know, we're kind of past the frustration of like Swift's the guy he needs to be getting all the touches. It's just not going to happen. You know, Jamal Williams, 16 carries to Swift six. It's like, it just, it doesn't make sense. It is, it is, is what it is, but even Jamal Williams, I mean, he doesn't score. He doesn't get there. Right. So it's just, it's just a tough situation. I would love to not have to start Swift. Um, but you know, depending on your running back situation, you might, you might be forced to, and you just got to cross your fingers and it's a Deandre Swift week. Now, I said that nothing changed and that it was more bad luck, but looking again at his snap counts, it was down yesterday versus the week before when he finally rebounded to his highest snap share since uh, back in week two or week eight, I guess, would be the snap share, but his most total snaps since week one. So that's concerning, and it followed him showing up on the Wednesday injury report as limited last week with the ankle. So maybe there's a little bit of the coaches reacting to the ankle and lightening his load yesterday. I haven't 
read anything specifically on that. We'll have to watch and see what his practice load looks like heading into this week against the Jets. But again, it's the kind of matchup where it's going to downgrade everybody just a little bit. It doesn't push DeAndre Swift completely out of plans, but if it's close, the matchup's certainly not in his favor this coming week against the Jets. Yep. On the Vikings side, we got monster games from Kirk Cousins, 425 yards, Justin Jefferson, 223. So my takeaway from there is we looked at, I mentioned it on Thursday's show, that the Lions' pass defense had been playing a lot better versus previous weeks. I said at the same time, I don't think that it's time to avoid players for this matchup at Detroit. And I think that's the takeaway is don't overrate the short-range improvements on defense if it, you know, both for the short range and if it's hard to put it numbers-wise. So we still had Kirk Cousins on the bottom of QB1 territory last week. Obviously, he paid off in this matchup. So I would say the takeaway here, more than anything else, is don't downgrade quarterbacks, receivers versus these Lions over the next few weeks. Yeah, exactly. I mean, especially like your Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson just gets there every time, um, and he never scores. Six touchdowns he has on the, on the year. That's tied for the least amount of any of the receivers in the top in the top fifteen, and he's wide receiver one. He's just been so good. He had a long one that that should have been a touchdown. They said he stepped out. He probably didn't step out. One of those you know toe tap type deals. Um, but yeah, he's just so good. Fifteen targets. That's what we want to see. Hawkinson dropped one um, as well this 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 week, but. Yeah, I mean, you're starting your guys, Jefferson, Hawkinson, Thielen now, okay, touchdown, finally. That's kind of where uh, where we like to see him there. Look look pretty good, 7 for 65 and a touchdown. So, uh, so yeah, you, yeah, you're starting your guys. It's fun to see, too. Like, I know the defense is getting better, but the Lions offense is awesome now. So it's like, all right, well, we can – if their defense improves, fine, because now we're going to get shootouts with the, with, with the Detroit Lions, which is what we want to see. So, yeah, you're starting all, all your guys here anyways. Cook did, didn't look great. Does get the touchdown, also fumbled inside inside the five yard line, which stunk for him as well. So, uh, but again, you're going to start your you're, you're going to start Cook moving forward. Madison still hasn't uh, is 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 a zero unless Cook gets hurt. And it looked like that play where he fumbled. He they were trying one of those jump pass things because he I was watching that replay on NFL Network this morning, and he was like doing the stutter step as he gets to the line, like he was pulling up, and it looked like he had the ball trying to position it into throwing position in his hand. And that was how he lost it. it. One of those and, plays where you're like, what are you guys doing? Like all the talent you have, you're going to try to have Dalvin cook throw a touchdown pass from the two yard line. Come on. And what's more frustrating for him is he's been waiting for that his whole life and he'll never get it again. That's it. It's over. <laughs> Five, 15 carries, 23 yards, one touchdown in this one. At least it's not a trend. Uh, he did go for 86 yards and 20 carries against the Jets the week before. We do get the Colts coming up the next week for the Vikings. They've been tough on the run for the year, but the Colts have also posted their two worst single game run defense DVOA ratings of the entire season, their last two games. So it's not the kind of matchup that should push Dalvin Cook out of starter plans, but it, it could be a challenging matchup for him. Yeah, yeah, especially a team coming off a bye, fresh, ready, ready to roll. Um, yeah, and then af- after that, they get the yeah, like you said, the Giants, the Packers. So um, Giants are slightly negative, Packers are positive. So um, and that'll be outdoors in Green Bay where they might want to run the ball more. 
And the Giants, I think, are a fake negative. I would be ready to play Dalvin Cook in that matchup. And part of why we might think that's an, a fake negative is what the Eagles did to the Giants yesterday, 48 to 22. And it was really only that close because we got a Tyrod Taylor to Richie James touchdown in garbage time. The Eagles really uh, did whatever they wanted to in this game. They attempted just seven passes after halftime. It was in pocket at that point. Miles Sanders, 144 yards and two touchdowns on 17 carries. And Adam, if you just look at Miles Sanders game logs, it looks like he's inconsistent. It looks like you can't count on him. But if you look at the specific matchups, it's actually the Eagles going with what the defense is giving to them. Like they didn't have him run the ball a whole lot against Tennessee, who's league toughest against the run. They didn't have him run the ball a whole lot against the Colts, who have been tough on the run. He didn't run a ton against Washington um, in that game. It's both a negative matchup and they held the ball a lot and had a lead on Philly. But then in the spots against Green Bay and against the Giants, when it's a favorable run defense, they got plenty of carries for Miles Sanders. He produced. So check those matchups going forward. They got the Bears in week 15. That to me looks like a matchup like the Giants were for them yesterday, where the Eagles will be able to do pretty much whatever they want to. Yeah, well, the Eagles can do pretty much whatever they want to do to anybody. But it, and that's nice to have that type of offense where they listen. We have an elite offensive line. We got a running back that's really good. So look, we can run on you. We have a running. We have a quarterback that can run. We'll do that too. We got receivers galore. Dallas Goddard hasn't been around. Hopefully, we get him back this week. That would be amazing. Um, you know, yeah, this offense is just so so good. Um, you know, I've been doing a lot of these underdog playoff drafts, and it's hard to not want to take them all, but they're going to have a buy, so you can't you can't you can't take them all because then you're not going to win the first the first round. But it's hard to not imagine them not in the Super Bowl for the for for the NFC. So. Uh, they're really, really good. And move, yeah, move, moving forward, you're starting Miles Sanders. You're starting Hurts, Devontae. You're starting all the, the usual suspects. And if they can get Goddard back, uh, that, that'd be great. They do have the Bears this coming week. They have Dallas after that, which has been a tougher defense on the lesser of the Houston Texans. We did get Miles Sanders 18 carries in the first meeting with Dallas. That's his third largest work total of the season to date. So that should be a fine matchup for him as well. On the Giants side of this game, Saquon Barkley was limited with his neck injury. You know, we had to know that was a possibility, but you never know going in exactly how much a team is going to limit a player, how much he's going to just command once we get into the game. For this game, we got Barkley, Gary Brightwell, Matt Breida all basically playing the same number of snaps. So, you know, there were some questions, some lineup questions just before the game. Do I sit Barkley in case he's limited with the neck? That That's the one kind of question that I think that we can't really answer. Like, I can understand trying to get somebody's opinion on that because you don't know what to do. But the truth is I never know really what to do on that front, unless we hear something from coaches saying that a guy is going to be limited. And I'll point back to Christian McCaffrey in week four, where he was still with the Panthers. He was very questionable with a quad injury. It was a late kickoff against Arizona. So there were a lot of people that went ahead and sat Christian McCaffrey for that week. He went out and caught nine balls for 81 yards and a touchdown against Arizona in that game. So that's the risk. You can say, yeah, you should go ahead and sit him because he's probably going to be limited. Then maybe you get that. And we'll also have the Mike Williams example later in this show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's just sometimes you, sometimes you're forced to do it. Other times you're not. And I was talking to Mike Schultz before the game, setting some lineups. And I know he was, he was on benching Barkley just because of this chance, you know? So, and plus Barkley hasn't been, uh, great the last the last month I mean he's just he's the whole offense and everybody 
and everybody knows it. So it's like, you don't know what to do there. Do you start the guys going to get all the touches or do you not? Because I mean, there were, there's been plays this year, even yesterday he's, he's running, you know, uh, arrow routes out of the backfield. He's double teamed because no one's afraid of Hodgins or Richie James or Slayton. Like nobody's afraid of these guys. So, you know, you know, o- overall the giants have the Dable's done a really good job with it, with this offense though, overall, I mean, the, the lack of talent on this offense um, has and to be able to get what they've gotten out of them has been pr- pretty impressive. But yeah, Barkley's going to be tough d- down the stretch with him being the only guy there and teams stacking the box and teams, you know, being all over him. I mean, he had two catches for 20 yards, which is nice. But, you know, and Daniel Jones steals goal line touchdowns too. It's the whole like, you know, he was running this type of offense with Josh Allen in Buffalo and now he's there and Daniel Jones is pretty athletic. So Jones is stealing touchdowns all the time. So, yeah, Barkley's he's tough, but I mean he does have that that thirty point upside too. So you're probably not going to bench him when he's when when he's healthy. Yeah, the upside is worth considering, and that might be the factor that I didn't consider as strongly as I should have heading into this game. And it's similar to why I was opposed to playing Damian Pierce unless you had to coming into this week. It's the are you scared of missing what the ceiling is? And normally, yeah, you'd be scared of missing the Saquon Barkley ceiling, but considering that he's had some limited games heading in, maybe that Washington game where he was three and a half yards per carry did score a rushing touchdown, but didn't wind up with a huge week. Maybe that's the new ceiling that we have to look at as opposed to 30 point upside, especially against a good defense. So, you know, it's certainly all going to be stuff that I keep in mind going forward. You got to use that experience to try to make the best decisions. But, you know, ultimately I hate to tell people, I don't know, but those are the kinds of situations where I'm like, I don't know. I I haven't seen the coach say whether he's going to be limited or what his role is going to be. So all I'm doing is guessing here like you. Yeah. The Washington rematch in week 15 is also worrisome for Saquon Barkley. Limited efficiency in that game, as I mentioned, three and a half yards per carry, did get 23 opportunities. So we'll have to see what they say this week. I think the fact that Barkley was limited yesterday will at least get reporters asking that heading in. So maybe we'll get a better sense heading into this game of what Barkley's role is going to be. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I don't see them, you know, shutting him down because I don't think they, unless they're doing it for his, for his favor, because they're not going to resign Barkley. I don't think like, there's no reason for them to, uh, he'll probably make better, better money somewhere else and on a better offense. So uh, there's no reason to shut him down and save him if you're not going to resign him. Yeah. Daniel Bellinger also injured in this game, um, left with a rib injury, tried to return, then ruled out. So we'll see about him for next week for those teams in rough shape at tight end. Darius Slayton has been producing for a while. It's not really a surprise that he did not deliver stats wise in this matchup. It was not a good spot for him against the Eagles who have been tough on pass offenses and have been particularly tough on downfield receivers, which is obviously where Slayton gets his value. But what stuck out to me is that Slayton finished third among Giants wide receivers in routes in this game behind Richie James, behind Isaiah Hodgins. I don't know if he got pulled a little bit early from the game and that's why he trailed those two guys, but I'd be surprised if Darius Slayton was like the one guy where they're like, we need to protect him and get him off. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. It was. It might just be an anomaly, like who, who knows, it might just be a random kind of weak thing. I mean – and I've been and I've liked Darius Slate in the, the last couple of weeks as as their number one, but like he was like tied for he only finished ahead of Saquon Barkley in targets and you know Nick Vanette. So it's like you know he he was tied with all the other receivers and tight ends and running backs. So um, I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll see moving forward. Again, you're probably not having to to make the the, the decision, but uh, I think if I had to guess moving forward, he's still probably their their number one receiver. 
Yeah, that's where I would lean heading into week 15. And we'll see if it was a positive matchup for him against Washington last time. It's a solid spot for him. I would think that he'll probably be low in wide receiver three territory, maybe just outside it. But we'll see about those exact numbers tomorrow. Ravens 16, Steelers 14. Here's a game that's not going to produce too many week 15 lineup guys for you. But we'll talk about one guy who did emerge. We'll start with the quarterbacks, however, because both teams lost the guys who started at quarterback in this game for them. Two concussions. It was Kenny Pickett for the Steelers. That pushed Mitchell Trubisky into the game. He'll probably start against Carolina based on how long it normally takes guys to come back from concussions. And if Mitchell Trubisky is in there, we... Found out that he is still Mitchell Trubisky, three interceptions in this game against Baltimore, but he might be a positive for Pittsburgh receivers because he brings with him a 10-yard average depth of target this season, according to pro, pro football reference numbers, versus a 7.5 A dot for Kenny Pickett. So that 2.5 yards, you know, it doesn't seem huge, but it's certainly a positive for Deontay Johnson and George Pickens. Yeah, I mean... Listen, can we any signs of life for George Pickens? I mean, three target the squeak he got the squeaky wheel treatment with three freaking targets. Uh, you know, three catches, 78 yards. And he actually had four. It was a you know, a pass interference in the end zone on a fade route that didn't that didn't count as a target because it was pass interference, but um not a great ball. Uh so I mean he deserves better, he deserve he deserves more, but this is I think we're kind of stuck with this. Three or four catches for him, you know, five or six catches for Deontay Johnson. No one's scoring a touchdown because they can't. They're allergic to it. So, uh, but yeah, Trubisky at least gives some passing upside uh, yardage wise, at, at least to some of these receivers. Plus, he gives you a better chance to fall way behind and then have to sure. load Fine. up on targets. Perfect. I think that when you're a rookie playing for Mike Tomlin, you get the shut up rookie treatment as opposed to the squeaky wheel treatment. <laughs> yeah, maybe. On the Baltimore side, um, you know, we had Tyler Huntley go down with the concussion. Anthony Brown is probably going to be the QB starter against Cleveland next week. But more importantly, we had J.K. Dobbins come back from getting his knee scoped. And, you know, they said going into the game that Dobbins looked better than he did before the knee scope, that he's running better than he was because he got some scar tissue cleared out. He certainly produced as such 120 yards and a touchdown on 15 carries, led the backfield. Wasn't way ahead of Gus Edwards in playing time. 28 snaps versus 21 for Gus Edwards, 15 to 13 in carries, 10 to 2 in pass routes, but there was also some Kenyon Drake mixed in there. So the takeaway here is there should be lots of running back carries next week. We might be able to use both J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards in a matchup against a weak Cleveland run defense that just keeps losing linebackers. Yeah, I mean, Dobbins... Listen, if you have Dobbins and you're still alive, like you're like sweet. Let's let's roll him out there next week. I mean, what else do you want to do you want to see? I mean, when he's running, he did look like you know his shorts were falling down when he's out there running. Like he literally he couldn't even his legs couldn't even stride. Like his, his knee looks like it's so tight on that long. What was it a 44 yarder? Like oh my gosh, he looked like he, he hadn't run in his whole life. But uh, hey, that's what happens when you have ACL and then a knee scope. But uh, but yeah, a team that wants to run the ball, a team that can't throw the ball. Uh, if they're going to give him 15 carries, and you know he's not going to he's not going to catch any passes because none, none of the running backs do. But uh, but yeah, you know, good good for all of us who still are alive with J.K. Dobbins. Uh, but this offense is just gross, just like the Steelers' offense. I mean, it's just tough to want to start anybody from these from these games, and uh, some other Ravens just keep on winning. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm always surprised when I see their record. They do get Cleveland in week 15 and then Atlanta in week 16. So pick up J.K. Dobbins where available. Consider picking up Gus Edwards if you're in rough shape at running back. They both could get you there in week 15. The QB situation is definitely a problem for Mark Andrews. I'm not sure how much we can do. He did at least tie for the target lead at six yesterday, caught two of them. Um, it's going to be frustrating. I know unless you have two good tight ends, you probably just have to roll with it and see what happens. Yeah. I mean, he's getting, he's getting the volume. He's getting the targets. He's getting the route per participation. He's, you know, it's all there. It's just the, the, the passes aren't, aren't catchable. You know, it's, it's Huntley, it's Brown. Although he had a, a sweet string with Huntley last year where he was, where he was clicking. In fact, he was better in points per game with Huntley. I think than he was with Lamar last year. So we'll see, but uh, but yeah, it's just it's just one of these offenses that probably isn't going to win you a lot of money. Yes. On to the Jaguars, 36, Titans, 22. Trevor Lawrence, questionable with a toe injury coming in, was coming off a disappointing outing at Detroit. So, of course, he delivered a season-high 368 yards in this one. Second game in the past three weeks, over 300 yards, and with two at least two touchdowns. Passer rating over 105 in four of his past five games, and he trails only Joe Burrow in PFF grade among quarterbacks since week nine. So Trevor Lawrence is rolling right now. It did not get Christian Kirk there for a change, but that's because Evan Ingram and Zay Jones were taking everything. So why did you wait 45 seconds to mention Evan Ingram's name into this, into this intro? Because he waited 12 weeks <laughs> to do anything for me. What do you mean? He's tight on four in fantasy on the season. What a year. What a hit for DraftSharks.com. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, per- perfect timing, all the best balls. Listen, if you don't have any teams alive left with Evan Ingram, which I happen to have, but if you don't go look at your best ball teams, man, Evan Ingram was there everywhere. Uh, got me into like a couple of dead underdog tournament teams. Like, Oh, there's Evan Ingram for 44 points or whatever it was. But uh, yeah, great, great to see. We knew the talent was there. Just throw him the stinking ball. Uh, 11 for 162 and two. Um Awesome for him. Great, great for Trevor Lawrence, who was allergic to touchdowns this whole year since since week nine. He's been, he's been great, you know, three hundred sixty eight and three. Good for him. Uh, offense is clicking. It's always kind of somebody different. This week was Evan Ingram. Zay Jones has been kind of hit hitting every other week in there. Kirk started hot, then had a, had a lull. He's kind of been a roller coaster all, all year. I wouldn't be excited to to start him, but it's usually one guy every week that can that uh, Lawrence can get there. So. Um, yeah, the offense, the offense is clicking and Hey, they can, they're not out of the playoff hunt yet. They're going to, they're going to get in there and they're going to keep pushing to win, which, which is good. Their, their division's terrible. So, uh, they have a shot that this offense can, can click, uh, well, we'll watch out down the stretch. They get the Cowboys and Jets these next two weeks, which have been the second and fourth worst QB scoring matchups for the season by our adjusted fantasy points allowed. So I want to like Trevor Lawrence in week 15. I'm not sure yet where he's going to land. I'm not sure yet who I would start between Trevor Lawrence and Jared Goff. I think that I would lean Trevor Lawrence at the moment, but that's going to be one of those that I have to look at more numbers once we get our week 15 rankings put together. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's not, it's, you know, even for other positions, it's not great too. Like, you know, look at how to the tight end, like, Hey, what can I have an Ingram do for me? You know, Dallas is a super tough matchup against tight ends, jets, neutral Houston's a nice matchup final week. Um, but yeah, those, those that, that Jag Houston game might be, might be the, the million dollar winner at the end, at the end of the season that we were all expecting was going to be. 
or maybe it's that Detroit Chicago game with Justin Fields and there, all those there lines that are playing now. Exactly. That was one of those that was like a sneaky week 17 um, target game for best ball drafting in the offseason. I'm I, I'm trying to wait until tomorrow after we're past this Monday night game to actually count up the advance rates. But it's it's getting to the point in the year, Adam, where it's tough for me to stay patient on this stuff. I know it's fun to kind of to kind of dig into. Like I said, I always wait till the end, and I just started. Like I remember texting you guys this morning, like, "Hey, are the are the are the, the rankings? Tell me the underdog rules. <laughs> are the underdog rankings live? Like, am I actually through in all these leagues, or do I have to wait until uh, tomorrow?" So that was that was, that was cool to see. Uh, let me ask: Do you have Evan Ingram? Then yes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Travis Etienne. By the way, was the one guy who definitely didn't get it done for the Jaguars yesterday. It was a predictably negative matchup, but it just highlighted that they also don't use him as a receiver. Which, you know, Travis Etienne, you would think, okay, he's a guy that's going to run the ball in positive rushing matchups, and when we don't have that, they should be throwing him the ball six or seven times. But it has not happened. Yesterday was zero targets among forty-two attempts. For the Jaguars and he ran 25 routes so it's not that he's not out there for passing plays it's not that somebody's replacing him he's out there they're just like man we got plenty of guys that are a little further downfield we're gonna throw it to them and it, it, like I said it lowers the floor it lowers the ceiling it hurts ETN's safety and the next two matchups are not good for him either Cowboys and Jets both negative for running back scoring yeah I mean it's just tough it's one of the situations where you know other things are clicking and you know, schedule's difficult, and maybe he's just – I'm not saying he is or isn't, but maybe he's just not an elite back anyways, so things have to kind of go right for him in that situation. But, yeah, didn't didn't look great. He hasn't looked great at, like, a ton this year. It's, he's really been spotty. It's kind of kind of interesting. Like, when he gets out in space, he can look really good, but other than that, um, he can kind of be he can kind of be bad. So, we'll see. I mean, the Titans' run defense is really good. So, like you said, the schedule, the, 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 the defense is – and how they're clicking everywhere else is going to really affect them down the stretch. The Titans, on the other hand, got a nice rebound for their running back, which is very good to see. Fortunately, Derrick Henry had gotten to the point where you probably still had to start him. You were just like, oh, please, Derrick, please show me that you're alive. And he did. 17 carries, 121 yards, one touchdown, also three catches for 34 on five targets, getting the kind of usage that Travis Etienne, you would think, should be getting on the other side. But it was especially nice to see from Derrick Henry because the next two weeks have the Chargers and the Texans, which should be absolute blow-up spots for Derrick Henry. So you should be ecstatic right now if you're in the playoffs and you have Derrick Henry. Yeah, only, what, two yards in the second half yesterday for Derrick Henry? He was about to go for 40 points. Uh, I'm not sure what well, what happened there. If the They Jaguars fell way behind. Clamped down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, that's what happens when, when your whole offense is run behind a big uh, running back like Henry. Uh, then you're in big trouble when you can't when you can't throw the ball. You know, I mean, they they, they didn't have their number one receiver, Burks, but uh, uh, Chiggy Chiggy Okonkwo got there, which is nice to see for all the for all the people out there who love Chiggy Okonkwo. Um, but uh, but yeah, uh, he's a guy that can certainly you can start uh, when Traylon Burks is not is is not around. He's probably the most explosive playmaker. So uh, in the passing game. So uh, so yeah. Uh, I think I think you continue to start him um, with Burks out as a tight as a low end tight end one because <laughs> what are you comparing him to? There's like nothing else out there. So uh, grab those guys that can that can that are athletic and can, can explode. 
Yeah, had seen an elevated role the previous three games. It was nice to see him get six catches, score a touchdown. They've been trying to get him the ball when he is on the field, and that's yes. been happening more lately. So might even still be viable with Traylon Burks back in there. Austin Hooper, though, is still plenty involved. You know, that hurts a little bit. He had five catches, so they both got it yesterday, but there's room for that to change in any given game. We also had five catches for Robert Woods. Obviously, it's still not a passing game. You really want to target unless you need to, and we'll see when Traylon Burks is ready to come back from his concussion, exactly what that means for everybody. Um, but, you know, they got 254 passing yards, two touchdowns from Ryan Tannehill, solid passing outing in that one. And, uh, you know, we'll see what we can use from that going forward, but we should be run heavy against the Chargers in week 15. Yeah, and the Jags' uh, pass defense is terrible. Like, this was a, this was a, was a, was a, was a smash spot. So everybody kind of – I mean, even if you – you know, we're forced somehow to start, have to start Robert Woods. I mean, you got your 10 fantasy points, like fine. But you look at the rest of the receiving, it was tight end, tight end, running back. Like those were the guys that were most heavily involved. I think when Burks gets back, uh, I would love to see him. I think it was a concussion, right? So he's probably only going to miss one, one week, come back. And I'd love to see him, him get going again. Chiefs 34, Broncos 28 in a game that had no business being that close. The Chiefs jumped to a 27 nothing lead and then obviously fell asleep. We got... Patrick Mahomes throwing three interceptions. It was just his second multi-interception game of this year. His other was against the Bills back in week six. It was his first three-interception game since December of 2020. Still top 300 yards, though, for the seventh time in eight games. So uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to be all right. Um, two touchdown throws to Jarek McKinnon in the first half, including the one that's just like the flip like this when yeah. it looked like there was nothing else. Turned into a 56-yard touchdown, of course. It is the second straight game that Jarek McKinnon has found the end zone. And, you know, there was the one goofy one from distance, but his other two touchdowns have each come from the 10 yard line and in. So Jarek McKinnon, a viable option in there. He's somebody that I would look at ahead of Samaje Piran and some of the other fringe running backs that we talked about earlier. Yeah. I mean, the chiefs going into this week, led the league in yak yards after catch. And I, and they probably extended their lead after this week, every little dump off, every little screen went for 30, 40, 50 yards, super, Super easy there, and that's what gets Mahomes to the 350 yards every every week. Really nice to see Juju back healthy, getting those outside, getting those like number one type receiver routes, no like trick plays and all that type of stuff. He's running normal receiver routes, 11 targets, 9 for 74 and a touchdown. Um, nice to see that there. Although he's always like, I swear last week he got, he got a concussion. Like I, I wasn't on the show to talk to, to, to talk about it, but like he gets, cause I'm locked into Juju. I have him everywhere. And he takes this hit and like grabs his head and like walks off and they're looking at him. He never leaves the game, but he, but he also doesn't, I think he maybe gets like one more target the rest of the game. So he's always like, and he's had what two concussions this year, uh, three or four in his career. So he's always one hit away from, leaving the game, which is, which is tough, but, but in an offense like this, you're going to start him going down, going down the stretch. Probably Kelsey's been disappointing the last, the last two weeks. Um, and, and I think that's where the offense has kind of struggled is when Kelsey, and I, I know they scored 34 points, but they had to pick six. So they did score less than 30 and the offense just didn't look right. Again, it was a lot of screen passes to the running backs and stuff like that. That was picking up a, a, a lot of the yardage, but you know, Kelsey only four catches on nine targets. I think he had three drops. One was a touchdown. So he'll be fine. But, you know, the offense does seem to struggle naturally when uh, when Kelsey isn't isn't smashing. 
pass rate had been down a bit um, over the previous four games leading into yesterday. They get running back friendly matchups against Houston and Seattle the next two weeks. So maybe we see Kansas City lean a bit more on the run in those two games. Obviously, even when they're leaning, leaning run for them has been 60-40 in favor of the pass still. They also could get either or both Kadarius Toney and Nicole Hardman back for week 15. So this is just going to be an offense to watch and see who's available. Probably just playing Juju among those wide receivers and fantasy always playing Travis Kelsey. But I think we've got two good spots for Jarek McKinnon and Isaiah Pacheco who didn't get there yesterday, but probably would have gotten more carries if Kansas city did not let Denver, you know, climb back into that game the way they did. Yeah. And still, um, and everyone's talking about Jarek McKinnon fine, but Pacheco was fine too. You know, uh, averaged over five yards of carry, 70 yards rushing, got three catches for, you know, third, like still got there fantasy wise for you without the touchdown. So I think Macheco is still a guy that you, that you're okay with starting down the stretch. And if you get an injury to McKinnon or vice versa, vice versa, uh, that one running back could get absolutely smash. Of course, the Broncos clawed back in the way we all expected them to three touchdowns for Jerry Judy and a 60 yarder for Marlon Mack. Out of absolutely nowhere. Now, Marlon Mack is, I guess, somebody to be semi-aware of because Mike Boone left this game with an ankle injury that had him on a cart. So it doesn't seem to bode well for him coming back. Latavius Murray was still the clear backfield leader. So we're getting a little bit late in the year for Marlon Mack to actually be a factor, but at least worth taking note of for deeper leagues. I think maybe the biggest surprise for me is that Russell Wilson is actually still capable of throwing three touchdown passes in a single game. Yeah, it's nice to see, you know, my guy, our guy, who whatever, Judy, uh, nine targets, eight catches. He gets his chance without Cortland Sutton. So this just, you know, kind of back to August. We were like, hey, Sutton, is it Judy? Sutton had his opportunity without Judy and did nothing. Judy gets his opportunity, eight catches, 73 yards, three three touchdowns. Almost gets kicked out of the game before he can do any of that. I don't know, I don't know if you saw this. Mm-mm. He's like, there was a play before he scores even his first touchdown on like a drag route on third down that they, that they throw somewhere else. He's complaining about a pass interference call that he that he doesn't get. He literally screams in the ref's face and chest bumps him as he's walking off the field. And I saw this after the after the fact. Like he could have easily been th- thrown out of that game. He's a psychopath. But eight for seventy three and three touchdowns. Thank God that the ref did. And and I'm always on the ref's case about overreacting. You can't celebrate. Every quarterback that gets tackled is a penalty. And Jerry Judy screaming at you and chest bumps you and you don't throw him out of the game, he must have had him on his fantasy team. That's all I'm going to say about that. There you go. We had a good matchup for Greg Dulcich as well. Um, He got his eight targets, did not get there, though. Caught three of them, left plenty of people disappointed. We already had one comment about that on YouTube. It's one of those where it was a fine play. He got his opportunities. It just didn't work out for him. Another good matchup for him next week. You know, you mentioned Cortland Sutton being out. We'll see about Cortland Sutton for week 15 against Arizona. It's likely going to be Brett Rippon at quarterback. I'm not sure how much of a difference that makes versus what we've been getting from Russell Wilson ahead of yesterday. So, you know, I guess we basically just have to wait and see on all these things. But my takeaway would be don't give up on Greg Dulcich just because he let you down yesterday when the conditions were right for him to do much better. Yeah. It's just one of those games. I mean, the guy had eight targets and it looks like they're forcing it into him too. You know what I mean? Like they're looking to get him and him involved, which is what anytime you have a tight end where they're doing that, that's sens- sensational. You know, obviously, you know, Russell Wilson's been 
horrible. Like you couldn't have asked for a worse season out of Russell Wilson. Um, but you know, Brett Rippon, can he be better? Can you, can you just get the ball to Jerry Judy and Greg Dalsich? Like that's all we need, need, need you to do. Don't be throwing the ball to Virgil and, you know, to Eric Tomlinson. Like what, what, what are we doing here? Get the ball to keep Jerry, keep Jerry Judy going here. He's a really good receiver. Um, and as long as he can do that, that's all, that's all I care about. We've at least had Brett Rip, Brett Rippon starts in the past couple of years. And we know that the Broncos are not afraid of having him chuck it plenty through 46 passes against the jets in his one outing earlier this season. So not, not a clear downgrade at the very least. We'll say that going in Panthers 30 Seahawks 24. And I felt pretty sure that the Seahawks were going to cover three and a half points at home against Carolina. Obviously I put too much faith in the Seahawks, but I think I also was not giving enough credit to the Panthers defense. It's been, it's been playing better lately, especially against the pass. And it makes sense. They got Jeremy chin back from IR. Not that long ago, he was out for a long time with a hamstring injury. JC horn, their first round corner from last draft, not this past one, but the year before I believe is healthy. He had an interception yesterday against Geno Smith, almost had a second one, but just barely missed getting a second foot in. So there are reasons where this past defense should be playing better. It's also a reminder that the Seahawks, even though they're better than we expected coming into the season, still aren't that good. Yeah, no, they're not. They're not. They're not perfect. I mean, like you said about Horn, that he was he played phenomenal. A couple of those were man, man coverage out outbreaking routes. Uh, I thought for sure that second one was it was it was a pick, but um, but yeah, the Seahawks are 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 tough, especially when you don't have you know, a running game and, you know, they love to run the ball, Travis Homer, you know, Jones, Tony Jones, all these, all these bums. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, he's still, listen, Gino still got there, 264 yards, three, three touchdowns, depending on how much, how many fantasy points you lose for interceptions did throw the two picks, but he got, listen, what, what we want from our quarterbacks too, not just from like us starting them is can they get the weapons there? Right. Metcalf five for 71 in a score Lockett five for 60 in a, in, a, in a score. You know what I mean? Like th- we need them to get our weapons. there. referencing back to Mark, Mark Rippon. Like we're not starting Mark, Mark Rippon or Brett Rippon or, 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 or his if father, not starting Mark or his father, unless he's playing the bills in the Super Bowl, then, then you want to start him. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, that's just the way that it goes. As, as long as Gino kind of got there in a, in a, in a bad game, if Gino gets there and Metcalf and Lockett get there, that's all we can ask for. Yeah, it gave us the garbage time touchdown to Marquise Goodwin to get to three touchdowns. It was the first game this season where Gino had multiple interceptions. It's the first time he's been under 64% completions. It's his seventh straight game with at least two touchdown passes. So we've still gotten a whole lot more good Gino than bad Gino. So we'll go ahead and bet on him going forward. However, we've got San Francisco on Thursday night. Um, the week two meeting with the 49ers produced Gino's still worst passer rating of the season, 197 yards, no touchdowns, one interception, a season low 5.1 adjusted yards per attempt. That's a pro football reference stat that also incorporates touchdowns and interceptions. So I'm normally Geno Smith should be higher in the rankings this week. I'll probably have him outside the top 12. Would you rather have, so there's a question. Would you rather have Kenneth Walker active so you can start him against the Niners or just have him not be active so you don't have to worry about starting him? I don't think I would start an active Kenneth Walker this yeah. week, to be honest. I mean, we'll see where it goes, but a short week after he couldn't get there, bad matchup. He hasn't been producing in negative spots the past few weeks anyway. Like it, it would be nice for the decision-making process to not have to decide whether to play him, but I I'm already like getting myself ready to argue him down in the rankings. 
Yeah, I I agree with you there. I think if he's if he's healthy, I don't want to start. I would rather, from a fantasy perspective, hey, let's just let's just rest him. I'd rather have him rest so I don't have to start him and let him roll out against Kansas City. I mean, the week before he, I mean, when he got hurt, he had like three carries for thirty five yards. Like he he was on his way to to a good game. It's just he got hurt in a in a, in a bad in a bad spot there. But uh, but yeah, no, I I probably don't want to start him. So I'd rather just have have him rest and not get banged up. Yeah, and we're certainly not playing anybody from this backfield if there's no Kenneth Walker, as Correct. the Seahawks showed us yesterday. <laughs> Back on the Carolina side, we had 39 running back rushing attempts in this game versus just 24 pass attempts. Deontay Foreman led with 21 carries, just 74 yards, so not great efficiency. Also donated both of the rushing touchdowns, to one to Chuba Hubbard, one to Rashid Blackshear, as we all predicted. We had 14 carries for Hubbard for 74 yards in the touchdown. Blackshear carried just four times for 32. It's, it is a little bit too much sharing for us to like Deontay Foreman, at least outside of non-PPR formats, and the remaining matchups aren't awesome for him. Steelers, Lions, Bucks the next three weeks. Blackshear, former... Bills running back would would also be the best running back on the Buffalo Bills if he was there. But uh, but yeah, I mean, this is a, a, a backfield that you want to have pieces of because they want to run the ball. I mean, my gosh, 21 carries for Foreman, 14 for Chuba Hubbard. Guess who played against Chuba Hubbard in a $5,000 fantasy football playoff league this year? Me, I did. Two guys, guys to start Chuba Hubbard. He goes, he has the game, a game of his life. 74 and a touchdown while, while splitting carries with Deontay Foreman. But I'll tell you, Foreman looked good. He looked good. I mean, I know that the yards per carry wasn't there, but uh, it was for Chuba Hubbard. But um, Blackshear, eight eight yards of carry. And I know yards per carry isn't the end-all, be-all. But um, they just look solid, always gaining yards. They use them around around the goal line. So uh, you don't want to have to start either either one of them, like you said. But, hey, you could do worse than 21 touches or 21 carries or 15 touches uh, down the stretch from from your running backs. Um, Tough one for DJ Moore. Stinking three three targets. He hasn't he had an ankle injury apparently during during the game, which stinks because I was so looking forward to this. This is like the first bad game he's had with it with a quarterback um, not named B- B- Baker Mayfield this this season. So I was looking forward to him against the Seahawks coming out of the bye, um, and he just was a goose egg in the in the you know in the late season push for the playoffs, which absolutely stinks. Yeah, in for an MRI today on that ankle, so I'll have to watch and, and see about him. They've got uh, Pittsburgh next week, which is a positive wide receiver scoring matchup, one of the best in the league for the season. So we'll have to see where DJ Moore's at. It's not trending toward him being a good play there. The backfield, it, like you said, it's it's a backfield that if you have to play one of them, it's all right. And Pittsburgh hasn't been a great matchup for running back scoring on the lead, on the year but we did just watch them give up plenty to J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. So there will certainly be plenty of teams where it makes sense to start either Deontay Foreman or Chuba Hubbard for this one. Yeah, exactly. And you know the Steelers, there's no way the Steelers are going to blow them out. You know, so they they might even they might even crush the Steelers for all we know. Like this, you might get this type of 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 running game again next week um, against against a team that's not that's not great against the run. So um, yeah, you might you might you might be starting them. 49ers 35 Buccaneers not really there big game for Christian McCaffrey 119 yards and a touchdown on the ground a 27 yard touchdown catch we also had Jordan Mason as the clear number two running back again 11 carries 56 yards I'm going to guess that he doesn't get that much normally they were controlling this game obviously as you can tell by the score Um, and Debo Samuel of course the big story here high ankle sprain probably out for the rest of the fantasy season at least yeah yeah that's 
that's that's brutal. I mean, again, a guy that wasn't having a phenomenal, you know, it wasn't having this season. Even some of the haters expected uh, him to be a little bit better than than he's been. But uh, but yeah, but the, listen, now Christian McCaffrey, you know, he's had kind of an up and down year. Whatever he's the you know the the one hundred and one. Now he's going to head into the fantasy playoffs here with all the touches and all the re- receptions in the world. The offense is going to go through him. Uh, what a crazy year, right? You start on the Panthers, you come over here to the Niners where it's like there's so many weapons. And now with the injuries to the quarterback and the injuries to Debo, like now the, the whole offense is through Christian McCaffrey um, and probably Brandon Ayuk. I, I, I mean, I would love to say start George Kittle, but, you know, the guy hasn't done – I feel like the guy has just not done a ton in two years. You know, we had like a three-game span last year where he was insane – and he hasn't done a lot this year, but you know, maybe with, maybe when you consolidate this this receiving core now with with McCaffrey and Ayuk and Kittle, they're probably the only pieces there. Uh, it probably elevates all, all of them. Well, we also have to expect San Francisco to run the ball as much as it can with Brock Purdy at quarterback. I mean, great story, him winning a game and them dominating Tom Brady, but he only threw 21 passes in this game, 16 to 21, 185, two touchdowns, two yard scramble for a touchdown. So a much better fantasy day than any of us would have guessed, but it's not going to be a great situation for either Brandon Ayuk or George Kittle. We should certainly expect plenty of targets for Christian McCaffrey relatively, you know, talking about target share here, but you know, again, they're playing Seattle on Thursday night. So I wouldn't, I would be surprised if we get more than like 24 San Francisco pass attempts in that game. So not a great volume spot for any of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. McC- I mean, listen, if you're in the fantasy playoffs with Christian McCaffrey, like he's the RB three right now with the way that this offense is kind of looking with, with injuries and stuff like that, I could certainly see him finishing RB one. I mean, he's only, he's only like 25 points behind Eckler. Uh, although Eckler just get the whole offense runs through Eckler. I mean, every play, every, I mean, the first quarter, like every single play was Austin Eckler. It's crazy. But, uh, but yeah, if you've got Christian McCaffrey, man, he could be a league winner. And it's hard to say when you're uh, the first pick in the draft. I was watching this game with McCaffrey in a lineup on a team that could, could stand to fight for some better playoff positioning. And I watched him almost break a long touchdown early. And then of course, Debo runs in the next play from 15 yards out. I'm like, all right, great. <laughs> and then the next drive, we had Brock Purdy scramble in for touchdowns. Like, ah, oh, come on. But then of course I stayed patient. We got there and I agree that we're in good position with McCaffrey the rest of the way. Yep. The bucks stunk all over. In this one, the RBs did split work again. We had 13 to four carry lead for Rashad White, but Leonard Fournette led in targets. So I think we should just treat them as basically workload equals going forward. And we'll see where things are on the health front. Overall, the targets were spread around. Mike Evans lost a long touchdown to a holding penalty. It was certainly a legit holding penalty, but he was also open like almost as soon as that route began so there was plenty of room for that to be a touchdown and to make his fantasy day we didn't get it we of course did get russell gage catching the only bucks touchdown pass i guess that's what you want to call that freaking off chris godwin's freaking chest (laughs) are you kidding me like it's just so sick uh to have that happen you know godwin's got a stinking catch catch that ball uh but yeah the offense just doesn't like what's the i don't think brady looks again physically his arm strength doesn't look like it's, it's, it's depleted. It's like, there's just constant, like entire games. And at this point it's been like, like half the season where the offense just looks clueless. They go out there for series after series and nobody's open. And Brady looks pissed. Like, 
Like at, at what point is it the offensive coordinator? At what point is it like they're turning like Mike Evans is a one trick pony. It's just fade route, fade route, fade route. The guy hasn't, you know, no, no in-breaking routes for him. No zero creativity in the offense whatsoever. You know, it's just, again, the Niners have a great, have a great defense. And, and I feel like they've had a lot of these, like the Saints have a good defense and they really match up well against, against Tom Brady. They have for, th- for three years now, but I just feel like it's every week. It's this offense just looks terrible. Yeah, that definitely is a trend in that direction at this point. It's funny, though, that the Russell Gage touchdown catch was not the craziest touchdown that I saw yesterday, at least. That came in the Sunday night game between the Chargers and Dolphins, and Tyreek Hill probably scored the craziest touchdown I've watched happen live, where Jeff Wilson Jr. is running, fumbles, the ball's on the ground. I'm like, oh, okay, it looks like the the Dolphins are recovering it. Oh, no, all of a sudden the ball gets slapped off the ground into the hands of the fastest guy on the field who takes off for a 50 yard touchdown. I was like, how did somebody get that and not get touched down? And they show the replay and it's just Teron Armstead, maybe blindly, maybe just like smartly slapping the ball up in the air to his teammate. I have never seen a play like that live. Yeah, that was, that was absurd. Um, and of course the fantasy, like my, my son has Tyreek, I've Tyreek in a lot of spots too, but my son has him in his, his home league. And he's just like going crazy and was like, well, dad, where, where, do, where do all the yards go? Like, do I get the points for the yards? I'm like, I don't think you're going to get those, those fumble recovery yards in your, uh, in your Tyreek Hill touchdown. But just the fact that, you know, Tyreek Hill is able to, you know, finish as a top, what was he a top five receiver this week? I, I lost track after, after going into his game, but four for 81 and a touchdown scores that touchdown on that insane play. It like scoots out, like the ball should have been dead. It scoots out and he scores. Tua completes 10 passes, 10 of 28, and, and Tyreek Hill still finishes like a top five receiver. So he's just matchup proof. He's even Tua matchup proof. Uh, so, you know, it was just a crazy game, a, kind of an entertaining game too, on uh, both sides of the ball, but Jeff Wilson with the hip injury that stinks. Um, but Mostert could be the guy done down the stretch. If Jeff, if Jeff Wilson misses time, most obviously knows the offense had success there earlier in the year. Uh, weather's getting worse and worse. Uh, they're going to have to use him more. Yeah, so we didn't really get an answer to whether it's Jeff Wilson Jr. or Raheem Mostert because of that injury. He had that hip injury, left the game at halftime, was ruled out quickly after the second half started. So that generally tends to point to it being a more significant injury. So I would bet on Raheem Mostert being the backfield leader against Buffalo in Week 15. Only 3.4 yards per rush for Mostert against the Chargers in that game. You know, like you said, Run yards per carry is certainly not the measure it's a measure. And we would like to see better than that from Mostert against what has been a soft run defense. But if Mostert is heading into that game as the lead back, probably going to at least land inside our top 24 for the week 15 rankings. And we'll see exactly where he comes out to a Tonga is picking a bad time of year to have two straight stinkers. And I mean, you could play, you could like, brush off the one against San Francisco, which has been maybe the best defense in the league. He got, he hurt an ankle in that game. This one, there's not really an excuse. He looked terrible all game. Looked terrible. I think his first six targets were all the Tyreek Hill too. Like the fact that you have six targets in adult, like in beautiful weather, like nothing affecting anything. Mike McDaniel's calling the plays and you can't complete a pass. Like I think they completed a screen pass to him or something, but like, yeah, he looks, it looked bad. And he just, you know, he, 
it's there's situations where he just doesn't look that that, that, that talented. I mean, he should have had multiple inter- interceptions. Um, he has to crow hop into 10 yard out routes. Like it's just the, the physical talent you're seeing now, you know, maybe the teams are getting onto it and hopefully for the bill's sake, they watch this defensive performance by the chargers who are banged up and not that good on defense to be able to go on like, Oh, you know, this is, this is what um, the Dolphins are doing. And Tyree kill had an ankle injury that this game too, that, that hopefully will not affect him moving forward, but certainly, certainly good. Yeah, fortunately, did score a receiving touchdown after that ankle injury. So, Correct. you know, they, they announced at halftime that he was questionable to return the very first possession he was out there. So I was like, OK, phew, I think we yeah. avoided something there. We'll watch him this week, but should be good to go. And we'll see if he has any further setbacks. I think you're just biased against left handed quarterbacks, though. Could be. Could I bet be. you'd be saying the same thing if we had this podcast back when Steve Young was playing. Listen, Tua looks like he's throwing with the offhand all the time anyways. OK. <laughs> He's got to flip that video. That's On the right. Chargers side, Justin Herbert over 70% completions for the third time in four games, his second straight game over 300 yards and got Mike Williams back for this one. And, you know, this is one of those examples where if we were heading in, we're like, yeah, the, I know Mike Williams is back. The last time he was back, he only played six snaps and killed me. So it could have made sense to not play Mike Williams in this one. If he didn't though, six catches, 116 yards and a touchdown. So it's one of those where you have to, Take in what's out there and then just make your best guess for what you're going to be comfortable with, what's possible and what the risk is. Yeah. And if you looked at, if you watch the game and look at the audio, you're like, man, how did they only score 23 points? Cause they were up and down the field and doing whatever they, they, they wanted essentially. I mean, the run game wasn't, wasn't explosive, but they, the, the chargers were getting whatever that they wanted. You know, they went for it inside the five, could, did, didn't score, so there, there, those are points you got to take off the board. I think they went for it again in in the in the red zone and could couldn't get the first down. So this could have been this could have been forty points for them. Williams healthy, Allen healthy. He's older. He's not what he used to be, but still twelve catches, ninety two yards. You know, you got Eckler. Palmer is the number three. He looks good at kind of in his role there. He looks really like Palmer's at his best when he's working as the number three, because he's a really good number, number three there, you know, Everett five for five for 28. He also had two, two, two drops um, in a row on one, one, one drive. So he could have had a bit bigger game, but this is an offense where, you know, they won now they're, they're um, I think they're in a playoff spot right now. Uh, it's it's seven and six. They're a team that could be the Bengals from last year. Get all these weapons hot working at the same time. I mean, they're super, they're super cursed. Like they're, they're they, it never ends up working out, but if everything can click, this team, this team could be, could be a problem. It's funny. You should say that. Cause I was just right before we started the show, I was looking at FanDuel at my $20 ticket on the chargers winning the super bowl from, you know, back in February and there's the cash out. You could cash. I could cash it out for 850 right now. I'm like, well, do they really have any chance? I'm like, well, they're in playoff position right now. Am I really going to feel better because I got back 850 right now? Or am I going to feel worse if I cash out now and then all of a sudden they make a run through the playoffs and I would have had 500 bucks. So I'm not cashing out yet. <laughs> that's lunch. Come on. That's that, that 850 is a nice lunch on a Monday. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> So we'll, we'll see if, what they have into the playoffs. But you're right. Right now they're in the final position in the AFC. We'll see if they can hang on. We'll see if they can keep guys healthy heading into the playoffs. That is going to do it, though, for this episode of the podcast. If you're looking for more action before the end of week 14, you can check out my DFS showdown article 
for tonight's game on DraftSharks.com, where I highlight the top values based on our projections and showdown salaries on DraftKings and FanDuel. You can also hit the link at the bottom of this podcast post to jump into underdog pick'ems or sleeper over-unders. You can get your first deposit matched on either site 100% up to $100. Adam, they also have 2023 drafts live on Underdog now. I just saw that. Just before the weekend, I think they launched that. It's not tournaments yet. It's just the the single league drafts, but it's out there. I'm curious to see where Josh Palmer goes in these early drafts. <laughs> yeah, me, me too. Like I said, I was I was looking at the underdog uh, tournament stuff from last night, and I stumbled across all those those consolidated twelve man leagues drafts that we did in January in Florida last year. Just looking at like where players finished, and I was you know I, I, all the terrible picks I was I was making JK Dobbins in the second round stuff like that but uh uh but yeah no those are that's great to hear I've been locked into the underdog playoff drafts I did three of them last night actually after this Monday night game getting some cheap charger stacks now that they uh are uh, looking good kind of to make make the playoffs here so uh fun fun drafting times ahead ahead of us yeah, you can you can put those first round chargers with your eagle shares that'd be a nice little team up that's what I did Matt that's what I did there you go. So then we are on to week 15 and for most folks, fantasy football playoffs. So the buys are done full projections, full rankings will hit DraftSharks.com by midday Tuesday. We'll have our usual, usual free agent focus articles. And of course our usual podcast for the week, Adam, what should we look for for this week's episode of the deep end? Yeah, that's what you should look for. The uh, we're going to talk about some underdog playoff stuff because the drafts are going on now and maybe you can sneak in some of these cheap charger stacks um kind of interesting with the with the team with the playoff teams not settled in yet you can maybe get some cheap some cheap looks at some at some, some good offenses so we're going to talk quite a bit about that there's no real waivers to, to talk about we'll talk a little bit about it but i know uh the playoffs are started a lot of those waivers are closed and there's not very many good players left but uh but yeah we'll we'll, we'll dive into some underdog stuff and tuesday night this week right tuesday night yep tomorrow night all right, so look for that on the Draft Sharks YouTube. For Adam Krautwurst and the entire Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.